1: following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no Get ready to
2: take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co host Abigail Johnson. Hey, teacher, leave them them Welcome to Education America, where we're working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. <laughs> K 12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of
0: our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. And listeners, we have an amazing guest with us this evening. His name is Chris McKenna. A lot of us talk about doing all sorts of things. Chris is actually doing these things. He is the, uh, the organizational lead of a, a group called um, Protect Young Eyes. And so on our show, we have been talking quite a bit about the effects of media, particularly on young brains and what can we do as parents. And we thought it would be incredibly valuable for you all to hear from someone who's on the ground providing great tools for parents. And so, Chris, thank you so much for joining us this evening.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to be joining you here from the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. So, oh,
2: I have a son in northern Michigan, so it's a beautiful country, beautiful. isn't it? Beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, we are excited to have you join us, and as we spoke before the show began, um, we were actually introduced to you by one of our own parents at the school that I run and Abigail serves as the admissions director at, which is Liberty Classical Academy in White Bear Lake in Hugo, Minnesota. And she was very excited about some of the podcasts that we've been doing on the topic of the dangers of social media, screen use, and what have you. And she was very excited to share about you and your organization with us and and encouraged us to contact you. So we're glad that we were able to have you join us today on the show and uh, help some of our listeners get introduced to your website and all the hard work that you're putting forth to protect young eyes.
1: Yeah, thank you. There's a lot to cover. It changes so quickly. And I think that's one of the burdens and anxieties that parents feel where just as soon as, okay, I feel like I understand Snapchat. I don't love it, but I at least understand it. And then this summer here comes the Saturn app. And now they're asking for that. What are the dangers with that one? And what do I need to know? And the pace of change in an area that is so impactful in the lives of our kids in so many different spaces, educationally, relationally, spiritually, even, you know, keeping in touch with grandma and grandpa, it's Mm -hmm. an anxiety for a lot of parents. And Mm -hmm. I realize that. So Mm -hmm. that's why we exist. We want to fill that gap between awesome caregivers and parents and technologies that simply do not care about their kids. They're not designed with children in mind. They're not crafted with children in mind. They're not sitting around boardroom tables saying, well, is this what's good for kids before it's launched? Mm-hmm. We see evidence of that over and over That's again for sure. and we want to try to yes. stand in that gap. <laughs> so. clearly,
2: clearly not. Not only do they not think about that, but sometimes I think they actually work in the opposite direction to try to really in fact we know that from speaking with former employees of companies That's like right. Facebook Meta now and, you know, the fact that they actually were very intentional in trying to hook people, but children, especially. So um, anyway, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about the free home assessment that you advertise. I think that's on the front page of your website. And tell us a little bit about what that entails and how to go about
1: it. Sure. So if anyone were to come and visit any of our digital spaces, but protectyoungeyes.com, we're also very active on social media. I even think that's maybe where that mom who sent me your way may know us through our Instagram page, which is Mm. very active. But the very top part of our website there in the header section is take a internet quiz, like a safe internet home quiz, 10 questions about your home that you can just go through as a family. Mm -hmm. And it goes through different layers. We talk about different layers of protection. There's not just one layer or one approach that protects kids in the digital age, because there are so many different doorways that exist, different devices, different places where kids can get online. So we have to use multiple layers. So just it goes through 10 questions talking about things as practical as the router or the software that's in your home or the types of devices that exist. Hmm. Those are more the practical kinds of questions. And there's the hmm. relational questions around what have you talked about? Do your children know what pornography is and how to identify it and what to do when they see it? Or if they have a friend who is engaging in certain behaviors, right? So it just we tend to categorize most of our tips and solutions into two 50,000 foot buckets of their either technical solutions or their relational solutions, and we're constantly encouraging parents, caregivers, grandparents to use both sides of it. Both sides are absolutely necessary, and that quiz helps break that down into ten just kind of yes or no questions. And it's not like at the end you get a score, not like in school. If you get Mm -hmm. 9 out of 10, that means that (laughs) you are an A student. You got 90%. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no such thing as an Internet-safe home. There Mm -hmm. are Internet-safer homes, Mm -hmm. but there's no such thing as an Internet-safe home. And we just simply want it to be a compass that is pointing a home toward, yep, we are Internet-safer or we have some opportunities to go, you know, in a direction that does make our home a bit safer. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. why it's there. Just as a first step, just anyone can download it. So. Yeah,
2: that's great. And, you know, when you say even about the router, I, I would have had no idea that that even question, a question about the router would have anything to do with Internet safety. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. Oh, that, my goodness, yes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe could you expand on that a little bit?
1: Absolutely, especially for any parents or caregivers who have younger children So the primary risk when it comes to technology with younger children, let's say, you know, infant to third, fourth, fifth grade, Mm -hmm. it's not so much the intentionality as it is the accidental exposures to content. Mm
3: -hmm. And then what
1: happens is those accidental exposures because of the way in which technology is so visually and neurologically compel- you know compelling mm-hmm. is it weaponizes weaponizes things about kids that we love about kids, like their curiosity or mm-hmm. one of the things that kids just have because of developmentally where they are is they have very low impulse control. Why? Yeah. Because the neocortex in their brain isn't there to provide breaks to mm-hmm. the things they're feeling and thinking about in that limbic system. So feelings and that sort of curiosity are driving their decisions and technology weaponizes those beautiful attributes of children about Mm -hmm. their curiosity and about their impulsivity. And they just do stuff. Right. And so I use that as context for what you asked, which was a very technical question. The reason the router is so important is because it prevents some of those technical weaponizations from ever entering the home in the first place, Hmm. right? Because most children, don't have mobile devices that like work on a tower. Most of the things that children use are Wi-Fi dependent, like Chromebooks or smart TVs or Kindles or tablets. These are devices that get their internet access from the home network, the Wi-Fi, which is a the doorway then to the World Wide Web. If you have a router like the Griffin router, which we recommend that I use in my home, mm-hmm. I tested a bunch of different routers. If you have a router, that is the guard standing at the doorway who is always hand on the knob saying yes or no websites you can or can't mm. come in. And so you, you know, you create a, a, an internet safer home by having a router that has filters on it so that the filth can't enter your home in the first place. Or, if a child who has a curiosity about a term, a word that they heard from a friend on the school bus, when they go home and search for that word, that guard at the doorway isn't going to allow answers in that could harm that child in the first place, right? Mm. So, the, I joke with parents, and we do hundreds of presentations all over the country your router is the most important device, digital device in your home. When you get home, hug it. Hug <laughs> your router. If you have young children, <laughs> because we never think about it. It's that thing that sits behind the couch that collects dust, and you only think about it when it slows down your internet. But the rest of the time, it is still performing a highly valuable process for most families.
2: Hmm. That is really insightful. I had I had no idea. Um, you know, obviously, I have internet at my house. Um, thankfully, my children are grown now, but I'm sure there were some of these issues that um I wasn't even aware of back when you know we had our kids at home and I think my goodness if we had only known that that was either you know allowing I'm sure things into our home that I wasn't even aware of um and again thankfully this was a while ago so hopefully there wasn't as much of the concern as there is now um, but knowing that there is a specific brand of, of, of router, Griffin router, I'm assuming that's the only one that, is, that has this capacity to be able to really monitor what comes in and out of the house?
1: No, no, there are, there are multiple other types. And what's complicated, I mean, routers are technical, complicated devices, but different homes have different setups. What do I mean by that is, Depending on who your internet service provider is, Xfinity, at and Spectrum, those are ISPs, internet service providers. They have different devices, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. you hear people talk about a modem, which mm-hmm. naturally raises the question, well, Chris, what's the difference between a modem and a router? That's a, I don't need to But it, you can see where it quickly gets technical yes. because for some ISPs, you have a modem that's separate from your router. Some give you one that's two-in-one. Some give you a router that you are forced to use, like AT&T, and now you have to come up with a kind of a complicated, what they call sort of daisy-chain way of connecting a protected router to the one you're forced. So we've written a blog post called The Ultimate Guide to Understanding Routers. If anybody goes Mm. and types that into a Google search, it's going to be one of your top results because it's so popular. And it goes through all these different scenarios that homes have so that each family can make the decision that's best based on your situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Very, very insightful information. I, Abigail, is this something that's kind of surprising? Oh, you? Did no, you have I, any I'm idea? just sitting here kind of paralyzed in fear,
0: I'll be totally <laughs> honest here. So, Rebe- Chris, she's, Rebecca she's and I are different ends of the parenting spectrum. So we are, you know, in our family, we, you know, the kids are, we are still in the absolutely not you don't touch mommy or daddy's cell phone you don't touch our computers and our school is a you know no technology school and we're very careful about this but it, this is very this is really good information um, I was so glad that you were referred to us simply because I know that we will be entering a stage where um, needing to provide some expo- digital exposure and parental involvement and guidance and what does that look like I've in yeah. all, on, in all honesty, been very thankful that I knew for many years we were in the absolutely not and you don't need to worry about it stage. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. I know that we are we need to prepare for a different mm-hmm. stage. So mm-hmm. I'm taking a lot of notes. Yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. No, mm-hmm. and I do. You mind if I just um, press into one thing that sure. you said just a moment ago? Now I don't. I don't know the ages of your children, nor do I think it's important that you share them. But there is. Sort of a principle here that I want to just raise, and listeners to this, you can apply this in your own situation as you see fit because you know your kiddos best. There is this balance here, right? Where we want our kids to have the majority of their life experience in things that aren't digital. I believe as both of you do that most of the best things for our children are analog. Most Mm -hmm. of the things that bring joy to their spirit and are Mm -hmm. beneficial to them during this critical formative time of their life is almost always analog experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to set that up as a truth that I think your listeners agree with that you agree with that I agree with. And we also do not control all of the ways, no matter how hard we try, that our children could be exposed to digital things. So there's a relational side to this where I want our children to not so much be afraid of technology, but be confident in their understanding of where technology belongs and where it is useful and not useful in our lives. Because what I don't want on the side of they're afraid of technology and scared of it is it starts to communicate some of the things that I kind of remember from purity culture. So I'm Gen X Mm -hmm. to give people context, right? The whole messaging back when I was a kid was sex is horrible, sex is bad, stay away from it. And then you get to marriage and you're like, well, wait, now it's automatically good. What the heck happened here? Mm -hmm. And it, it created this really toxic thought pattern around what, Is, when harnessed well, Mm -hmm. a good thing? And with technology, I think there are some parallels there because even in a home where we've done our best, let's assume that our child in some way, through a friend, a neighbor, a relative, has a bad experience online, is shown something they shouldn't have seen. If the only narrative that they have been taught about technology is that it's scary, I need to stay away from it and don't touch it, then the chances of them bringing that experience into the light with an adult that they know and trust and love are extremely small because that little voice in every kid's head that is a really loud voice is, I don't want to get in trouble. Yep. I
3: don't mm-hmm. want to get in
1: trouble. I don't want to get in trouble. And so I'm not sure. I, I'm always leery of, I, I don't want to tell people how to parent, but I want to put principles out there that I think are, are applicable in the digital age that are different than, things that parents had to apply in other generations
3: mm-hmm.
1: that I, I want us to look for opportunities to apply that relational side of raising kids well in the digital age
2: mm-hmm.
1: with our kids whenever possible. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, absolutely. It does. I'm curious to know, because that sounds good. <laughs> how, how do you really, from a practical standpoint though, do that?
1: Well, I think it, Starts with making a list of all of the horrible things that you hope never happen to your children online. Mm-hmm. And then find an age appropriate way to talk to them about all of those things in a way that informs them and then allows them to practice what to do if something were to happen in that lane that you're concerned about. So let's assume for a minute, that you have a five- or a six-year-old child, and you have digital devices in your home that you use specifically for education, okay? Mm -hmm. Does your child know what to do? If while doing homework or doing work for education, if they see an image that makes them uncomfortable, gives them that little funny feeling in their belly that they know means something, but they've never been taught what to do when that happens, right? These are the things where I think we could have really powerful conversations about porn, about predators, about scary things online without using some of those words, Mm -hmm. doing it in an age-appropriate way, and then putting a Chromebook in front of our child and saying, honey, you know, have you ever gotten that little funny feeling where something just doesn't quite feel right? I want to give you permission to do something about that. Mm -hmm. Here's what I want to do. I want you to pretend that on the Chromebook, you see something that's really scary, Or you see something that you don't understand or you see something that that little stomach radar of yours is going, oh, I don't understand this. What is this? I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to go up in my bedroom right now and I'm going to say, ready, I want you to do two things. I want you to pretend that that happened. I want you to close cover the Chromebook because we teach kids, put it down and tell someone this is your put it down. And then I want you to walk up the steps. I want you to knock on my door and I want you to say, mom. I saw something on the Chromebook that scared me and that I don't understand. Can we talk about it, Mm -hmm. right? Because if they don't practice it, these little Mm -hmm. brains that don't think abstractly, everything Mm -hmm. to them is tangible and tactical during this developmental phase. So if we just say to them, hey, if you see something scary on the internet, come and tell me. That is not enough to compel a kid to come and tell you. Mm -hmm. We have to practice. So this is one of many ways in which I think we can take something that seems kind of scary to us as parents, break it down into bite sized age appropriate chunks, practice it in a way they know what to do. And now we've given them a tool and, and, and whether it comes from a friend or they know what to do. And we remind them of that scenario, that practice, that, the steps that whether you just put it down and tell someone or something else about once a quarter, once every six months, whenever you remember, you go through that again. Because what we say to parents, if your kids aren't finishing your sentences or rolling their eyes when you (laughs) ask them, do they know what to do in these sorts of situations, then you're not saying it enough.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Repetition is key. some Mm
1: -hmm. ways just to answer your question. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, that's a great idea. I like your idea of of creating that list and, and kind of going through each one. And I suppose that some of those are going to be conversations that might, take place at five or six, but then some might not take place until the sixth or seventh grade. I mean, I I would imagine that there's going to be different times when you can maybe practice certain things. Like, I'm assuming that maybe some of the training that you would suggest is even how to stay out of chat rooms or how to not get um, brought um, into a conversation with someone unfamiliar on Facebook. I mean, are there tools for that? Or is that more, would you say, that's conversational with uh, parents and, and children?
1: That is definitely the latter, uh, mm-hmm. conversational. And, you know, there's a balance. You don't want to, there, there's a, a spot, a tipping point where you talk about too many things, you know, and they're not mm-hmm. ready for all of that. So right. it's it drips. We talk about digital drips. Mm-hmm. And you do it during times when you know your child is generally receptive and more open to these kinds of conversations, which mm-hmm. is usually car time, meal time, together time, or bedtime. Whatever those are in your home, these are mm-hmm. moments where you generally have greater opportunity, greater openness to have these kinds of conversations. The one there that maybe well, what's together time? It's for example, there are some families who have come to me and said, you know, while I'm making dinner, my kids just Are always hanging out with me in the kitchen. And I found that to be a time where I have more rich conversations with my children. I'm not even really looking at them. I'm like stirring stuff and cooking something. And we're just chatting. And that is when I get the best information out of my kids. Mm -hmm. For me, for my sons, my sons are in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Um, I'm the bedtime guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I am always looking for opportunities to poke and be curious About their day at bedtime, because I find that's when I have some of the richest conversations with them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm dripping in digital reminders at bedtime just based on the pattern that works best for me and my sons. So each family can look for those opportunities. The how isn't... as important as the, the what to the mm-hmm, do it, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You, you know, but you, you got to, you know, everybody, you know, your kids best and you just look for those opportunities.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I, I hear the youth minister coming out in you. I can definitely tell <laughs> that was your background. I love it. The communication, you know, between parents and children, it's so important. And clearly that's something that was a gift of yours. And I'm glad that you're sharing that because I don't think having a conversation like that really occurs to most parents they're just thinking well I'm gonna cook the dinner and they might be thinking about asking them about their day or something like that but um, to be that intentional with these sorts of questions is so um, I mean, it's, it's it's really a great idea and it's not something that I think most parents think of and today I think it's really important so um, great great suggestions to be having these conversations.
0: Well, and to be, I mean, just as you said, Chris, you know, you grew up at a time where it was it was just just don't do it. You know, it was the anti-Nike slogan, um, mm-hmm. you know, for your, you growing up and then making that switch can be difficult with topics. But that, I think, was what that generation of parenting knew how mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And now you're right, it is so, there are just things that are so pervasive in our culture. And, um, you know, learning and helping parents understand and we've had guests on with a I hear the same theme over and over from a variety of different parenting topics but the theme is you parents need to set the narrative don't let someone else mm-hmm. don't let this happen to your child first you know don't whatever it is um you know if it's an online experience whether it's observing people who live differently than you live whatever you know whatever it it is that they may come across that is outside of what is their normal, um, you know, that we as parents, and I think that is the, the stretching point, mm-hmm. if I want to call it that, for parents mm-hmm. in this day and age is realizing, oh, I need to talk about this long mm-hmm. before it becomes an issue in my child's mm-hmm. life. We should be, you know, dripping in, you know, being prepared for, yeah. um, you know, what happens if x, mm-hmm. y, and z, what happens if or have you ever experienced, or mm-hmm. you know, but initiating those conversations, and I do think it's a it's a parenting shift mm-hmm. it is i uh,
1: It it is, but it's getting back to, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt.
2: No, no. I was just agreeing with Abigail. I agree. I think it's a parenting shift. And I think that this generation of parents is having to be more intentional because the culture doesn't necessarily support their values as much as it did in the past. So that's right. um, They're having to be much more intentional themselves.
1: Yeah. And it's, there's nothing new under the sun, right? That's we, we read that in Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new. <laughs> We've all, yes. It's all already been out there. But what we're talking about here is not a new idea. Mm-hmm. And it comes from what I've observed, even if I could share this, even in Scripture, right? I mean, if you go mm-hmm. back to a time when the Hebrews were surrounded by a culture that was nothing like theirs, as they're exiting Egypt and wandering around in the desert, they're asking, okay, Moses, how do we teach our kids about God? And he gave them specific instructions that literally said, repeat it over and over again. When, when you're sitting at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols, put them on door frames. In other words, when culture is noisy and distorted, remind them over and over and over and over again about what is good and true, mm-hmm. and honorable, and those were those are Old Testament instructions right. that I think our busyness and the noise in our own lives as parents have just, we've forgotten. Yeah. So it's getting back to what has always worked, because if we don't, here's my urgent call to parents, if we don't, trust me, TikTok has also read this scripture, and I believe they have embodied it better than we do with their persistence with their Mm -hmm. version of repetition, Mm -hmm. and their ability to remind kids over and over again of things that it believes, Mm -hmm. and its worldview. And we need to be more persistent and more consistent. So there's a little bit of my, my Mm -hmm. urgent, we can do this.
2: Mm -hmm. That is a, that is a dark thought, but it is Absolutely, 100% right on. Yep. And um, we we are down to the last, you know, 30 seconds of the show here. Um, I'd like to direct people to your website. And is there anything else that you'd like to just add here in just the last 20 seconds or so?
1: Sure. Yeah, please come and visit us. Um, if you uh, visit us on, on Instagram or, you know, one of the spots we're sending parents is uh, a, a a new community-based tool where you can find like-minded parents to talk about these issues with. Um, table.protectyoungeyes.com. It's called The Table. I want parents to come to the table to have conversations about these difficult issues. And there's downloads, there's webinars you can attend. It's a a closed community of just Protect Young Eyes folks so that we can talk about this tough stuff. So come visit us there.
0: Absolutely. And everyone, please go to their Instagram page. It's Just go in the search box, Protect Young Eyes. You're going to see a whole bunch of posts that will apply to you as a parent. Go check them out. Thanks so much for listening to us. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, Apple, and everything else. Thanks so
1: much. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter Andrew wilkow The Next D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525.